0: This message was recorded at Devoted, a cry Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit DevotedEvent.org.
1: Okay, well, good afternoon, everyone. Really great to have you out this afternoon. Thank you so much for coming. I wonder if I could ask you guys at the back to come on forward. Come and join us. Yeah, you knew it was going to happen, didn't you? You knew it was going to happen. Come on, let's all get together. Let's uh, let's be a bit closer. We're we're going to speak from down here rather than up on the stage. Uh, we'll just get a little bit more intimate. For those of you uh, who I don't know, my name is Reese. I'll be hosting uh, these three afternoons, and uh, we have a fabulous team. I'll introduce uh, them all in a moment uh, to uh, to be talking this afternoon about the subject of worship and. Um, In John 4, Jesus uh, says that there are worshippers that the Father desires. And he says to the Samaritan woman that uh, worship is not going to be about uh, places or traditions, but it's going to be about who you know. It's about who you're in relationship with. And it's worked out in a context of truth and of. Uh, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on these three afternoons. And we're going to be quite practical as we do that. This afternoon, Nathan's going to kick us off looking at truth in worship. Uh, And then tomorrow afternoon, Dave is going to lead us uh, in talking about the spirit in worship. Uh, And uh, on Sunday afternoon, I'll talk about bringing those things together uh, as we build churches that are full uh, of New Testament worship. And what we're going to do, uh, I hope you are ready to be participative this afternoon. Um, we're going to do some exercises each of the afternoons just to catch us up in uh, hopefully growing, stepping out, maybe in ways that we haven't done before. Uh, and so, uh, so we'll, be, we'll be getting everyone participating in a little while. We'll let you know a bit more about that in a moment. Uh, now, before I introduce the team... Just to say, we will finish off with some Q&A, time dependent uh, on each of the afternoons. But if you could take this phone number down, uh, if you have a question, uh, you can text this phone number 07545, 07545, 348898. I'll read it one more time. 07545. 348-898. So if you've got any questions, uh, we'll, uh, we'll just work out how we present those questions together and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll all be up to answer as best as we're able. Okay, let me just finish off by introducing the team. Nathan and Lou Fellingham. not needing a ton... Come on, you guys get up, you guys get up. Come on. Not needing a ton of, uh, uh, of introduction, I don't think. Um, but we can tell stories, can't? No, we won't. We won't. There are too many stories to tell, and they're far too exposing. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Dave, uh, Dave, and Rosie Fellingham, uh, come on, stand up, you guys, stand up. Way too shy and retiring. Dave is now based in Horsham, or Dave and Rosie are based in Horsham, where Josh, who is also in our team, for go on, stand up, Josh. Uh, Josh is one of the elders there, oversees the worship team, Uh, and then Ashley Vaughan, all the way from Vancouver, Canada, Uh, so uh, she has flown in just for this seminar stream, Uh, and then she's doing a little bit of main stage action just on the side as well. Okay, Oh, and my name is Rhys, and uh, uh, I lead a church in Vancouver uh, and uh, have loved being involved uh, with these guys, actually, over many years. I won't tell you how many years, actually. Uh, We've worked together and had the joy of of, uh, building uh, worshipping churches in that sense together. So, Nathan, over to you.
2: Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, Yeah, let me just offer my own uh, greetings to you guys. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to a fun uh, three days together. Uh, We're looking forward to exploring the subject of worship in spirit and in truth uh, in a number of different ways. Uh, And just to encourage you, please do think of some things you might want to ask, questions that you might want to put to us. And we will do our best to get to that over these three days. Uh, Reese has already mentioned the the story of the woman at the well, uh, John 4. I'm just going to read a few verses uh, from from that passage and then look at a few things from that and draw in some other thoughts as well. Uh, John 420 to 24 it says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So the first point in this this session where we're talking about worship and truth is that truth matters. Truth matters. I'm sure we'd all agree uh, that truth is hugely important. Falsehood, on the other hand, is an ugly thing. It's something that is not good. We rely all the time on things being true. We rely on the fact that bricks and mortar are strong enough to hold up a roof, so that when we go to sleep at night, we know the roof will not fall in on us and destroy us in the night. We put our trust in those things. We trust in the rules of aerodynamics. If we go into an aeroplane and fly, we trust that these rules uh, are going to hold. We also trust that people will keep their word. If they say something, if they promise something, we trust that they will follow through. That's what truth is, and we rely on these things being true, and we rely on people to hold to these truths. And when we encounter falsehood, it jars with us. There's something about falsehood that just, it rubs, it doesn't, it's not right. Falsehood manifests itself in all sorts of different ways, uh, from things which are very blatant uh, to things that are more subtle and sometimes unintentional. If someone just bareface lies, uh, like if I was to say that, um, don't you love my new haircut, uh, it's, been, it's been a long time in the making, you would know that I was just lying. Um, it's, just, it's obvious for all to see. Sometimes people are deceived, they're caught up in falsehoods that they didn't even realise they were caught up in. Sometimes falsehood manifests through people just being a bit speculative or possibly optimistic. This is actually happens with my wife quite a lot, Lou, when it comes to the weather. Um, Lou doesn't actually believe at any point that the weather will be anything other than sunny. So even if she looks out and sees the rain, she will not believe that it's raining. It's still sunny. If she looks at the weather forecast and says it's going to rain, she says no. She does not believe it. Whatever the evidence suggests. Sometimes falsehood comes through a lack of teaching or wrong information. It doesn't spring from actually a place of malice, it just comes from a place of lack of teaching and understanding. An example of this actually comes from our journey to Devoted uh, on Wednesday. Our bags were packed, car was loaded, the kids were in the vehicle, a packed lunch was made, the vehicles were full of diesel, and we were ready to go, great. However, there was a falsehood lurking in this scenario. It wasn't a falsehood out of um, malice or uh, out of bad motive, but it was there nonetheless. When we typed the destination into our sat nav, what did we do? What did we put in the sat nav? Newark (laughs) showground. However good our intentions, however uh, our preparation had gone, uh, whatever the state of our hearts in preparation and prayer and minds and all the stuff that we'd put into it, we were going to go to the wrong place. The wrong place. Because our facts were wrong, we thought we knew where we were going, but we didn't know where we were going. (laughs) Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman is a bit like this. The Samaritans didn't have all the facts. You see, the Samaritans only considered the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, as Scripture. They didn't consider the rest of the Hebrew Bible as Scripture. And they had probably been strongly influenced by Greek culture and other ideologies as well. So they were undertaught. They had some key facts wrong. And Jesus didn't mince his words when he said to her, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. However good or bad the intentions of this woman were in asking him about the, the place of worship. How should we go about, uh, what, what should we do? Where should we go to rightly worship? Uh, the God that she had in mind was not true. She was worshipping who she did not know. That's what Jesus said to her. Now I find this sentence of Jesus' quite striking and frankly, quite scary as well. There's just this concept that we can be offering our worship to a God we don't know, even if our intentions are good. Moving to the other end of the spectrum, we find an example of very blatant falsehood uh, in Exodus when Aaron makes a golden calf for the people to worship. Exodus 32:4 it says, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now this is a blatant lie. This golden calf did not uh, lead the people out uh, of Egypt. The golden calf did not facilitate the exodus. So there's two examples. One falsehood arising from a lack of teaching. One from a blatant lie. And there's lots of examples throughout Scripture where people's worship is misdirected because of falsehood, whether it's wherever it is on the spectrum. So when we're talking about our understanding of who God is, we need to be on our guard against this whole spectrum uh, of falsehood, from the blatant to the subtly deceptive to the speculative uh, to the undertaught. And when we're talking about the subject of worship in truth, uh, we're not specifically talking about singing songs. It's a much bigger thing than that, which touches every part of our lives. But we must recognize that the songs we sing do have a massive part to play uh, in sh- shaping people's understanding of who God is, helping people to worship in truth. So why is that the case? What place do songs have uh, in, the, in the pursuit uh, of guarding truth? Well, to put it simply, the songs that we sing inform and shape what we think. Uh, there's a simplistic way to understand this in, in the sense that musical ditties just get stuck in our head. Uh, they go around like a, uh, just, you know, going over and over, and we sometimes can't shake it. Uh, and so that can have a, a useful effect of helping us to remember certain words or phrases. But there are also more sophisticated reasons, the fact that we're embodied creatures. There's something uh, in the power of music that resonates in a way that can actually shape and form us. Uh, As a, a theologian called Paul Tripp puts it like this, he says, God has hardwired you to sing, and the song that rules your heart will set the agenda for your behavior and your relationships. Uh, What you find yourself contemplating, what you find yourself repeating, what you find yourself singing will affect your understanding of who God is and consequently uh, what you do and who you are. Colossians 3.16 puts it like this, make sure the message of Christ dwells among you richly. Do this through teaching and admonishing with psalms, hymns, and songs brought about by the Holy Spirit, all with gratitude and by letting a song arise in your inner being to God. Paul is here exhorting us to let the things we sing teach, and us, teach us and admonish us. Uh, a good song has the ability to make its home uh, in your head and in your heart. And Paul recognizes this and wants us to use singing to facilitate the message of Christ making its home in us. We need to be singing truth so that the phrases and melodies that do find themselves making a home in our heads and our hearts are ones that will do us good, uh, not do us ill. So for those of us who do write songs, for those of us that pick song lists, for those who facilitate the corporate sung worship life of the church, we must take seriously this call uh, to set forth the Christian God, uh, the one who has been revealed to us. We mustn't underteach our people uh, through a limited diet of songs. So, what is the truth? What truth do we want to hone in on uh, when we in in our singing? Well, Obviously, that's a, big, uh, that's a big question, and there's a whole range of answers that we could get into. Um, it could be answered a number of different ways, but we'll just focus on, on one for, for now, for today, uh, which is really the focus of what is going on in this encounter uh, with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Uh, by saying uh, to the, this, this woman, the hour is coming and has now come, Jesus is placing himself front and center as the one who embodies truth. I find it striking again how uh, she, uh, Jesus is the one who asks her for a drink. She had no idea this one who's humbled himself and asking her to draw water for him is the one that created the water in the first place. So he's saying, a time has come. It's about me. It's about him, Jesus. Uh, And a time is coming. It's pointing to the death and resurrection and ascension, the work that he is still yet to accomplish. So we're seeing both things here. Uh, A time is coming. There's work yet to be done, but it's about him who is going to do the work. He's there in that moment, in that scenario. In John 2, Jesus has alluded to the fact that he is the new temple the place of interaction between God and man. It is through him that we can worship the Father. You know, he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. There's a, uh, there's a transference now. Jesus is becoming uh, the temple. It, it, the place of interaction between God and man. And in the Gospel of John, we find several interactions that Jesus has with different people. Where he corrects uh, this mis- misconceptions and errors about who this God is that they are worshipping. And here's the thing, when he does this, every time he starts talking about his father. He starts talking about his father. To the Samaritan women, he says uh, that it's the father, as Reese has already said, it's the father who is seeking worshippers. To the Pharisees, he says, the father and I are one. In another place, he says, for the father loves the son and shows him everything that he does. To his disciples, he said, I came from the Father and entered into the world, but in turn, I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Uh, To the disciple Philip, he said, The one who has seen me has seen the Father. He keeps coming back to the fact that he has a father. He comes from the father and he is one with the father. This is really the doctrine of the Trinity sort of bursting in on the scene. Uh, In the Old Testament, we understand there is one God. There is one God. That's the emphasis over and over again. There's one God. There's There's no other God but me. Then Jesus comes bursting in on the scene and says, yes, there is one God. He's a father. Oh, yeah, I'm God too. No, there's not two gods. There's one God, and I'm God, and the Father is God. And it's like, okay, bosh, what's going on? Uh, this is something that is, um, it's, it's, it's the Trinity in action, suddenly coming into life before them. So in all of these interactions, he's pointing to the eternal reality of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Spirit. If you want to have communion with the Father, you do so by coming to Jesus So worship in spirit and in truth is this. It's worship directed to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, Rhys kept nicking stuff. It's so annoying. (laughs) It's not grounded in a place, but it's centered on a person, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Samaritan woman's question about the whereabouts for correct worship to take place, it echoes, actually it echoes a mindset that we can, even as Christians, we can so easily default to. What do I have to do? Where do I have to go in order to encounter God? Is it, is it Mount Gerizim? Is it Jerusalem? Is it this conference? Uh, is it that church? Is it this podcast? Do I have to read that book? What is the way? But Jesus' response turns this whole way of thinking on its head rather than what do we have to do to find God. He says it's the Father who's seeking us. Uh, In John 14, Thomas exclaims, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we find the way? How can we know the way? It's a bit like how Lou and I felt when we realized we're heading to the wrong showground. We did not know the way. We had no idea where we were going. And we're, of course, familiar with Jesus' response. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, and he is the way to the Father, And in the Father's house are many rooms. He's drawing men and women to himself so that we can find our home. That's what he's calling us to, to find home. This home is in the very life of the eternal triune God. This is, action. we're going to do a bit of singing together. Reese is going to lead us on. It's about being drawn into the life of God. It's the drama of our salvation. We must keep telling it. Uh, and we can do that by looking at Jesus and singing about him and singing of his amazing work. But in doing that, we're actually being drawn to the Father who is the one seeking us. And all of this comes about by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that leads us into this truth. And he testifies with our spirits that we're sons and daughters of God. So tomorrow we'll be looking at worship in spirit, and that will have some specific application when it comes to thinking about the gifts of the spirit in our corporate worship. But it's so important we don't drive a wedge here. It's not that we tick the boxes saying, "Yep, yeah, we've, we've, we've done enough in terms of dusty old truths. We've ticked the boxes. We're in the right place now. Let's have some fun in the Holy Spirit. No, the spirit's the one that leads us uh, into the truth that Jesus has made the way to the Father, and now we get to join the party This is what a true worship is about, worshiping in truth. It's about coming to Jesus, who leads us to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to actually move on um, into some practical stuff where we uh, actually are going to take some psalms, and we're going to do a bit of singing together, recent that. It's going to be fun. Uh, It's going to be great. And we're going to be expectant that as we do that, against the the truths of who God is, is going to come alive in us, that the Spirit is here and is going to do that uh, in us. Um, but just just to say, um, when we look at these some some uh, some psalms and and go through this exercise, it can be really helpful when uh, looking at, at psalms, looking at Old Testament uh, scripture, to, to actually look at it through a Trinitarian lens. I have To remember the the doctrine of the Trinity is something that is revealed in uh, in time, and in a sense, there's a we we can go back and look at the Old Testament through the lens of what we understand in the New, uh, and even. You know, in the uh, age of the church beyond that, where we understand the doctrine more fully. So if, if, for example, if we look at Psalm 118, which says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Uh, God is good because he is triune. He's always been a father who loves the Son in the Spirit. Uh, If if that was not the case, he would just be a solitary figure who only discovered love once he'd created. But actually, God is love all the way down. He's always been love because he's always been a father. So when we say the Lord is good, that's the kind of thought we can now have, uh, that God is good because he's the father. Or we might think about Psalm 24. Uh, verse three, it says, "Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully." When we think about that, we understand it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who uh, who is truly uh, has clean hands and a pure heart, and we can. Be caught up in all that he has won for us. It's because of him that we get to ascend this hill and get to be, again, in communion with God, in communion with the Father. So just as we go through this exercise, however that's going to look, uh, both now and in in, yeah, in the future, let me just encourage you to think about that because uh, it's so important. Because um, again, we find ourselves with lots of songs that we're singing. It can be a bit generic sometimes, actually, in our in our lyrics. It's hard to, you know, to write songs that really unpack the... Uh, the trinity in a in a uh, in a good way and we need to keep figuring out how to do it but we can still look at it through that lens when we say give thanks to the lord this is who the lord is this is who god is that's so good
1: thank you nath it just reminds me of a story of a uh, a meeting early in the charismatic revival where a, a young guy just got saved and uh, he, he didn't yet have the lingo. And so uh, he, he, he was so excited about what Jesus was doing in his life, so excited about what was happening to him. He started shouting, bravo, bravo for Jesus. And, and then he started a song. And uh, so he started singing, He'll be coming round the mountain when he comes. And and all the church joined in with his enthusiasm. And and they're singing, He'll be coming round the mountain when he comes. He'll be coming round the mountain. And and all of a sudden they get to singing. uh," And they think, What what is it we're actually singing here at this point? And uh, and, and we, we can. We can end up singing kind of well, nonsense, really. What mountain is he coming around? Uh, and, uh, you know, so we, we love these truth-laden songs, but we also want to sing truth ourselves to God. We want to immerse ourselves in truth. And so what we're going to do, if you're happy to do this, uh, we'd, like to, uh, we'd like to just do an exercise of singing uh, our truth together. And so over the the next three days, we're going to sort of build from singing truth today uh, to looking to engage the gifts of the Spirit tomorrow and then kind of pulling those together on Sunday uh, afternoon. So I wonder if you're willing to do this, whether you just grab your Bible and if you don't have a Bible with you, maybe grab an app on your phone uh, and just take a moment to find a psalm. Uh, and when I say to find a psalm, just find something that, just find something that you feel that you want to express to God. Some a truth that resonates with your own heart. Um, so just take a moment, look through, uh, look through this, look through. Find it may just be three lines. Out of a psalm. It might, be, uh, it might be 10 verses, 15 verses, might just be a, a phrase that kind of resonates with you. And so, what I want us to do, I'll give you a moment just to find something. Hopefully we've all found something. Just just want to encourage you, just read it. Read it a few times. Just even in this moment, allow the Spirit to just begin to impress it in your heart. Roll it around in your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to breathe on it. It's just this is part of meditating on truth. It's just allowing it to soak in, reading it a few times, allowing it just to kind of penetrate beyond just our intellect and asking God to bring a reality in our hearts. So why don't we just stand? What I'll do is I'll, I'm just going to lead us into a chorus that we all know to sing together. And then when we finish singing that chorus, uh, we'll sing, sing a chorus that we sang this morning. Um, I just want to encourage you to begin to sing out your psalm. Now, just a couple of things. It does not matter how you sing. God loves to hear the voice of his children. So whether you feel like you've got the best voice in the world or the worst voice in the world is absolutely and utterly irrelevant in this moment. God is listening to the words, the... Boldly, just sing it out to God, okay? Let me just lead us in. Father, we just pray that you would pour your Spirit on us right now, that you'd make truth live in our hearts afresh, that you'd just reveal Jesus, this one who is the way, this one who is the truth, this beautiful Son of the Father through whom we get access to you and the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you just bring revelation to us this this afternoon as we sing to you?
3: praise his name forever. Let's just sing it out. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh Lord,
4: oh Lord our
3: God. Oh praise the name. Oh praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, our God. One more time, oh, praise. Oh, praise the name of the Lord.
1: Begin to sing out those lines from the psalm. Just lift your voice to see your father. Just sing it out. And sing it out aloud. Be bold, be courageous.
3: Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, a work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man? you are mine, full of him, and the son of man that you care for him, yes you made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. Oh, sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the heavens, fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Oh, Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name, oh, how majestic is your name, how majestic is your name in all the earth, how majestic is your name in all the heavens. How marvelous, how wonderful, how glorious you are, how majestic is your name. And we sing it out aloud, we sing our praise and our worship to the one that we love, to the one that we adore, Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful, Savior. Oh wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior. Oh, 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 oh. So wonderful.
1: Do you feel the presence of God among us right now? Such a wonderful sense. Such a wonderful sense of the presence of God. Now just as we were singing out, for some of you, you, you felt kind of like a song rising up out of, out of that song. It was like, whoa. As you, as you began to sing, it's like it tapped into something. And uh, just love two or three people who are brave enough to come and just sing that out. Okay? Two or three people who are brave enough. Wonderful. Now, I just want to encourage you, don't sing for long. Just bring the nub of the thing that God put in you and just sing it out, okay? Wonderful. Wonderful. Go for it. Now, sorry, just before you do, I want to encourage you, as these guys sing, don't get passive and watch them. This is, this is a time to enter in. Uh, so allow yourself to be led by them. But keep bringing your praise. Keep bringing your worship. You keep singing into the thing, into the things they're singing. There may be a phrase they sing that you pick up on that you want to sing. Or it may be something that you've already been singing that just stirs afresh. You, so I want to encourage you, don't get passive right now. Sing in. Almost uh, get onto their coattails as they sing and go with them. Okay, go on, lead us on.
3: I lift my eyes to your mountain, Lord, as you call my heart to your own. My
5: faithful
3: God, my defender, my shield, my heart is yours alone. Yes, sir.
6: I shall praise you. I shall always have hope. I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more, Lord. I shall always have hope. I shall always have hope. I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more, Lord. I shall always have hope. Declare I will always have hope, I will always have hope, I shall praise you more and more Lord, I will always have hope, I will always have hope, declare I will always have hope, and I will praise you more and more Lord.
1: There's something prophetic. We'll just stay here guys for a moment. There's something prophetic about that statement I feel right now. I will always have hope. I want us to sing that a few more times. And I feel like there are for some of us right now uh, there is a there is an important declaration of I will always have hope. You've been assailed by thoughts, by things that have been from the enemy, that have uh, cut at your confidence and your hope. Uh, and I, I feel like there is a prophetic thing right now in terms of us singing to Jesus, I will always have hope because I'll put my trust in you and I will praise you. Okay. So can we just sing that again? Just lead us in that again. Can I, can I just
7: give testimony? I've kind of said it now so you can't stop me, can you? But, um, so like, uh, I, uh, th- I mean, that, that, those lines mean so much to me and I've never, I, well, um, I can't think that I've ever read that psalm or that it's jumped out at me before, but... Me and my family do uh, a Bible study every morning. And I just, when you said Psalms, we're, we're reading Psalms at the minute. So I just opened, I've got a little, a little tag where Psalms is because it's the Psalm we're on. And I just opened it and read the next Psalm that, that we're about to read. And it's just that verse just spoke to me. That is completely testimony to me. That wasn't, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to make this into something else, but it's just, that is, that is completely where I'm at. That is completely, that was just God speaking to me. Then that is my testimony of today. That I that is the declaration that I want to make and you know that, that yeah. I just wanted to kind of uh, give testimony to that.
6: Lord, I will always have in terms of trust. Holy Spirit, always have hope. I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. I will always have hope, I will always have hope, I will always have hope, I will praise you more and more, I will always have hope, I will always have hope, I will always have hope, I will praise you more and more, I declare I'll always have hope, I will always have hope. I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Hang
1: about for a moment. Yeah, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. If you know that's for you, why don't you just put your hands up to the Lord? Just lift your hands up to the Lord if you know. God's speaking to you right now about uh, a breakthrough in terms of hope, a breakthrough in terms of trust. We just ask you right now that you would come, that you'd come, that you would refresh hope that love the Lord of Jesus, the commitment of Jesus, the breakthrough of Jesus. In every circumstance of life, we can trust you. In every circumstance of life, you are faithful. You are good. You are God. You are the one we say yes to. You're the one who gives us hope. You're the one who gives us breath. You're the one from whom life comes. You know every circumstance and situation in this place right now. Holy Spirit, come minister freedom and hope right now in the name of Jesus. As people praise, as people worship, as people declare trust, as people declare hope, in the name of Jesus, we break things off you now. In the name of Jesus, the, the attack of the evil one, we break it off you now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Despair Go in the name of Jesus. We speak to depression. We say, go in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, move in power, Lord.
3: Who I will always have hope. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His. Oh Lord our God one more time.
1: Isn't it amazing? Just even as we kind of do an exercise, how God comes and meets us. Just two seconds. Tell us what you experienced in doing this. Okay, have a have a seat, everyone.
7: What did you experience? How did that
5: feel? What... Um, I just felt really. Done that I, not from like a psalm. So I sometimes get like prophetic songs. Um, just when I'm worshiping. Yeah. Um. But I've never done it from, like, just reading the Bible. But I just felt like, I don't know, overcome by the Spirit.
1: Thank you, guys.
5: Yeah, so let's give them a... My face. Like, you know, when you're like a... I don't know. That's what I felt like.
7: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> Sorry, I kind of disappeared there. Um, <laughs> right. I guess for me, I, I'll be honest with you, I arrived kind of at devoted. Um, feeling quite low in my spirit, uh, if I'm honest with you. And um, I just felt like it, it just lifted that. I just kind of felt that release of just, you know, wow. that gloom kind of lifting from your heart. Wonderful.
1: Praise God. Isn't that amazing? Thank you for sharing that with us. How
7: about you? Yeah, just, um, it's just one of those moments where, I mean, so yeah, I love to sing out and, uh, love to sing out in my own words to God. And I find it, I think personally I find it really easy to sing out to God in my own words. When I'm in my kitchen at home and there's nobody else there. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in a corporate setting, I'd be much more reluctant to do that. And I've been saying to God recently, I've been saying, you know, I wish I had that. Like, why, why don't I have that? What holds me back? Why can't I just step out? Why, you know, why am I so inhibited by what? I, obviously, it's, I'm worried about what the people think. But, um, yeah, uh, so that was very liberating. So, yeah, it was brilliant. Wonderful. Wonderful.
1: Thank you, guys. Yes, around. Hey, well done. Thank you so much. Isn't that superb? Isn't it wonderful? All we did, kind of almost presumptuously, we said, let's open up a psalm, let's go. But isn't God faithful in the, when you do that? He just comes. And He loves to come. And how many of you could do that on a Sunday? Okay, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. How many of you will do that on a Sunday? Come on. Because we've gotta, we got we to own this, yeah. We've got to own this. We can't just... It's, it's not good enough to come to a seminar... And go away and say, oh, great, we heard about this. (laughs) No, we gotta build this, okay? We gotta build this into churches. So each and every one of us, we need to step into this and we need to press it. Guys, come on up. How are we doing for time? (laughs) okay we only have 10 minutes so (laughs) so I just want to start off by asking the question um, and maybe just one or two people can briefly give an answer on this Um, in terms of your own um, worship life how does that look? What does that look? At? You're, you're all people who stand in front of others and worship. What, is, what does it look like personally for you? Who wants to start off? Do start off? Yeah, all right.
8: Okay. Um, I sit at the piano and play a few chords and sing from Scripture like we've done today. I do that. Um, I sing loads and loads and loads of hymns Um, I'm steeped in hymnology and sing lots and lots of hymns because I find that hymns have a progression of truth that really grip my spirit and then I will sing a contemporary worship song which tends to focus on one aspect of truth to meditate And to just kind of stay with, yeah. So singing scripture, singing truth, and singing something to stir my heart.
4: Very good. Great. Do you want to say anything? Go for it. Um, For me, I sing all the time. My kid—it drives my kids nuts. I got three young kids, and um, I will just go in the living room. And they, I have this thing, like, when I start worshiping, my arms go kind of flying. My kids know, like, mommy's singing, so get out of the way, because I've hit them a few times. But just this continual thing of just just being in awe of the Lord. I love story, um, with the story, Jesus heals the ten lepers, and then the one comes back, and the Bible says that the, the one came back with a loud voice of praise, and threw his body, at the basically at the feet of Jesus, and that's how I feel like I, I want to be that person. I am that person, just so thankful for what Christ has done, and so every day I try to get in that place of like, thank thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us, and so I may sing songs that are known, or I sing songs just out of my head, or I sing scripture. Reese taught this at our church a while ago, and I've been hanging on to that. It's great. That's, that's what I do. Just say
0: one thing. Um, I think um, recognizing what season you're in in life, and finding the rhythm of worship for you. So you have your everyday overflow of worship. So we are a people of the spirit, as you you know, we're going to find out. And so there is a, a natural overflow. So you might be someone who sings all the time. You've got songs that pop the, around, whether you're in walking in the park, whether you're in the kitchen. But it's also about finding uh, your rhythm as you worship god and so some some seasons in life you can have hours to spend at the piano and and sit there and other times you grab the moments whether you're in the car whether you're taking the kids somewhere whether you're in your front room and so i just want to encourage you um to to grab the moments to worship don't again it's good to have a rhythm and a set pattern you know so that you don't um you know you know that you've got uh it planned you know so it might be that every morning you have your time or for me it's after i've dropped the kids off to school then that's my time um, but also sometimes our rhythms can be different our seasons can be different so i just felt i want to encourage you to grab moments you know god loves to meet us in the moment as well as the the extended times of worship
1: I think that's so helpful. My wife would tell you that when we had young kids, she went through this kind of season of really grappling with feeling like she was not doing very well because her regular rhythm had been, uh, I guess, interrupted. And she spent a lot of time just grappling with condemnation about that. And uh, had, in one sense, God had to set her free to a place where she could just enjoy the season that she was in and find God in the midst of it. So I think that's really helpful. So, um, one question here, um, uh, just about uh, how do you practice and encourage true spontaneity in worship, both in the band and the congregation, and how much of your spontaneous time of music is rehearsed uh, in order to facilitate this, or how much true improvisation is going on uh, as a reaction to what God's doing, so, Nath, why don't you start us off with this? Because you're 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 the man driving things from behind the keys. Um, so I guess this is more in a in the context of a Sunday morning or a, a worship time.
2: Yeah, I think um, in reality the um, well, I suppose what I'd want to say is that it's okay to practice. Spontaneity, which I know sounds like a, a an oxymoron, but uh, it's um, I think one of the the ways that, spon- that I, I guess freer more spontaneous times can flow is from a place where a band actually has learned to do that together in a practice environment, uh, and if you just try and sort of just off the cuff go and sort of try and put some musical stuff in that you haven't before ever kind of journeyed together as a team, then actually the chances of everyone feeling a little unsettled is is very high. I think the reality with a corporate worship Setting with pe- with lots of people in a room, or even just a few people in a room, but people who are looking to you to lead, it's important that we make people feel safe in, in the right way. You know, obviously there are moments where things can feel a bit unsafe and that's, that's great too, uh, but we are trying to provide a platform for people to uh, express their worship and to feel, I'm part of this, I've not now been lost. You know, these guys haven't, haven't gone off on onto such a kind of uh, a cool musical spontaneity kind of trip uh, that now we, all we can really do is stand and watch uh, actually we're still tr- even in our spontaneous moments we're still trying to bring the congregation with us and, and so that really I think that does require uh, a certain amount of yeah, practice uh, going over stuff together uh, and learning the flow of uh, yeah, being able to just rise and fall together as a team to help recognize the rise and fall in the congregation as well
8: can I make a musical comment? just a, a very simple musical comment as a, a music teacher music is a language and um, when you l- learn a normal language the bigger the vocabulary that you have the more able you are in a social setting to communicate and music's like that so as you rehearse the language so and and but find like with improvisation, going through exercises, doing um, basic musical things that can be quite boring when you're just working it out, it becomes a language that becomes part of you so that when you're in a setting where you need to use that language, it just flows from you.
9: I think as well from a spiritual perspective, planning and being spontaneous are two sides of the same coin. Actually, we, we often compartmentalize and put, oh, actually, you know, the spontaneous moments, that's when you know, they're kind of, they're the really spiritual moments and the planning is just functional and, like, and, and structural. Whereas actually, I find as a worship leader, the planning is just as much part of my worship as being spontaneous in the moment. as And actually, the plan often releases the spontaneous rather than uh, there being two opposing forces. So it's important that we value planning. God, God's a God who planned. And plans, isn't he? He sent Jesus. That was part of his plan uh, for us. And so in our worship times, don't despise planning for the moments. Actually, use planning to create the moments, to release moments. Um, yeah, it's really important. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Just a comment in terms of that as well. I think um, when, let's say, somebody comes up to bring a prophetic song, uh, what tends to happen is they, they need to follow something. And I've seen this sometimes where the band tries to follow them and it all kind of falls apart because it's you're not really sure where they're going. Far better for the band to give some structure. Uh, and so maybe you've come out of singing a chorus and you're just rolling around the chorus chords. Uh, and and actually just by keeping on doing that, you you give a singer, some security to, to sing onto. And actually, if, if the band are trying to follow you and you're singing and you're really not sure where they're going, you're not sure where to go yourself melodically, uh, and so that all becomes a bit insecure and, and difficult. So I, I think for musicians to to keep leading in those moments is, is important, but obviously you're facilitating something of the spontaneous. Now that doesn't mean that, that's, um, that God can't read. I, I, I remember last year there was, was it last year, two years ago, there was a, a prophetic thing that came off the drums. That was all spontaneous, the rest of the band kind of figuring out what to do in the moment. So I think, I think we are spontaneous, but there are still as you said Dave kind of almost ways of working musically that are really important for us to keep doing otherwise we can uh, otherwise we create insecurity in that point and we don't give a great platform for people to participate and for people to be joined into what we're doing.
0: Um, Dave used to call it the C- sickness syndrome so when you're piecing together a, a... Our t- if you've got lots of rise and falls and you kind of hit a peak and then you just let it drop back, hoping that a new song, a spontaneous moment comes, or and then you go up again and then you wait, you end up kind of taking people on this kind of thing and they end up really feeling a little bit queasy, for want of better ways of putting it. So when you're piecing together a, a time of worship, you know, we are, um, Matt Redman kind of used that revelation and response. So we're taking people on a journey, we're feeding them so that there's and then an opportunity to respond. So we might plan roughly where that's going to be. So um, it's not going to be after song one it's just not because we're not ready yet we we need feeding first and then out of that there's opportunity to then respond so when you're practically piecing a, a song list together you usually have a song you're shooting for within that that time frame and then out of that you know that there's going to be a moment where you this is a moment where we can now respond and so as a band you've then um rehearsed what chord sequence you're going to go around to allow that song to come out um and so it's just really helpful to feel as though you're you're kind of you've got momentum happening so then there is that release that occurs um yeah
8: very good
1: time is up um so, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you f- to you guys for all your input. Really fantastic. And um, hopefully, over the next couple of days, we'll go on a bit of a journey with this. And uh, I do trust that in God we will be strengthened as we come away from these three days in terms of not only our own personal worship lives, but as churches, uh, as teams, uh, pressing in to the things that God has for us. So have a great afternoon and evening, and we'll see you tomorrow afternoon.